Welcome to the LVR Podcast, a podcast designed for Australian mortgage brokers made by brokers. We're here to help answer your questions with solid industry answers. Learning, validation, and respect. Now, here's your hosts, Ruan Berger and Marissa Schultz. Everyone, welcome back to our LVR podcast. Really, really happy today to bring to you what I would call going commercial. Uh, and that is that diversification into your business if you were just a mortgage broker, um, having that other hats in respect of equipment finance, asset finance, commercial lending, and what that may mean for you and how you may see it. Uh, so no further ado, love to introduce Stuart Donaldson, uh, who is from Ascender Finance, a training brokers to become better commercial writers. Stu. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Marissa. Thank you, Ruan. I appreciate the introduction very much. And that is our Valley Week. We are very much into helping brokers diversify their business and particularly those that residential brokers that have, you know, a proportion of their database that are SME clients already, but perhaps aren't being serviced because it is definitely a different beast. Mm. Yeah. And and on that note, I'm going to kick off just with my worries when I was a broker. I looked at the hours in a day and I went, you know, for me, spending the time being a resi broker, uh, if I was to start slicing and dicing it and giving time to commercial, giving time for this, giving time for that, was that going to be, at the end of the day, an Achilles heel for me? Is that going to hold me back? And that was me. So if you had a message for me today, what would that message be? Oh, look, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, mortgage brokers across the country right now are busier than ever. And you, yeah. if you if you are writing deals and you're working around the clock, you're thinking to yourself, well, where in the heck can I find some time to, yeah. to really diversify? Having said that, um, it is a there is a, a way to do it. And the first step, the very first step for any of those brokers that fit your description, Ruan, is you've got to create capacity. You, you've actually you've got to make a commitment that you want to diversify, and then look at everything you're doing in your business and start to peel back the onion and find ways through workflow and automation and outsourcing and other things to build capacity into your working week. Once you've got capacity, then you can go on the journey to diversification. I'm not suggesting you can just hit the switch and start doing commercial lending or asset finance or anything else. You can't, but you've bought some time to build some capability and build up confidence. Stuart, can I ask, in terms of the diversification piece and building capacity, what do you see as the difference between um, a broker trying to do both residential and commercial versus a business trying to, let's say a business has got two brokers in their team, is it better for them to have one that specialises in resi and one that specialises in commercial or is it better for both of them to do everything, in your opinion, in terms of doing the resi and the commercial like do you have any thoughts on that or any experience seeing what works well or would you say it's a case-by-case basis be keen to get your thoughts on that absolutely thank you marissa Uh, look it is case by case because let's take your hypothetical example if one of the two has some experience perhaps they've come out of a banking environment and they understand the sme space and commercial lending then that would be very logical if both the brokers are inexperienced potentially, I assume, very capable at the consumer and resi space, but have no or little experience in in SME lending, then that's a different proposition. And I would suggest that they would have to change their business model to build that capacity in and then start upskilling and 
it would be a decision of the business whether one or both of them would go down that path. That makes sense. And so, so Stuart, you, you just said brokers are very, very busy um, mm-hmm. at this stage, just purely the market where the market is finding itself. How, and you say they have to make that commitment, but it's it fair to say, you know, when there's so much balls in the air for you that it's almost a commitment at this stage that most would go, well, just not now. Yeah, and, and that's, that is a common response that we get from people. And my response to that is, well, if not now, when? Does it ever change? And you have to personally commit to making change. And then you have, having said that, everyone, I mean, really, if you're thinking, well, just not now, you also have to think about what are the implications of not diversifying. And keep in mind, it isn't for everyone. Mm. But if you are to diversify, some of the benefits are you're creating a new revenue stream. And often there's a cash flow smoothing as well because the commissions come through so much faster. Mm. But more importantly than anything, it's about ring fencing your client too because mm. if you've got 20 or 30% of your clients that are SMEs and you're not looking after their business lending, the chances are someone else is and the chances are that they're going to lose that potential or potentially lose that client for all lending, mm. consumer or business, over time. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's not just throw a dart and say, I'm going to do it on X date. You, you need a plan. You need to plan it out. You need to map it out. You need to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. Do you have the cap- capacity? Do you have the capability? And if not, where do I find the handrails? What's the journey I go on? How long will it take? Yeah. You know, I I sort of really understand that diversification piece and I think it's really important. And, you know, I I agree with what you're saying that if we can't service our clients for all of their needs and they will have to look elsewhere and that also might mean that their, you know, residential lending is at threat. That's right. So that's really important point to hone in on. But, um, you know, one of the challenges that I think many brokers have when trying to get into the commercial space for the first time is that it is quite difficult to get direct commercial accreditations with the lenders. Yes, it is. If they don't have that commercial banking experience and that commercial finance experience. So what advice do you give to brokers in regards to, like I understand that you run lots of great training to help people get the skills and knowledge that they need to be competent with commercial lending, but then how do they, once they have those skills and knowledge, how do they then go to the next stage of actually getting the accreditations they need so they can actually be an active commercial writer? Well, once they get to that stage, they have to be able to demonstrate capability. So the lenders will will want to know that they can read a set of financial statements and they can put a deal together. And and Marissa, your point is very well made. And that's what I was talking about. It it doesn't happen overnight. In the 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 strongest advice that I could give to the audience is you got, you've got to build your skill set and that is attending not only things like the various um, you know uh, industry days and conferences and PDs and everything else, but some specific training on core skills around commercial lending and cash flow and how to put a credit submission together, they're, they're critical. And for those that do lack experience but do have the desire to do this, then they need to move into you know, some sort of mentoring program. The, the one that we offer for information, it runs for basically a bit over six months. It's eight people at a time maximum. It's very intensive and we take people who really from the point of um, no experience and no confidence to um, six months later being able to write a full submission and get their accreditation through with the lenders. So do you help them to get their accreditations with the lenders as part of that? 
Uh, we can do. We, As it's happened so far, we haven't had any difficulty, but we are endorsed by all the majors, as in CAFRA, FBAA, MFAA, and FBAA, I should have said. Yeah. And yes, I mean, yeah. one of the features of, of the ignition mentoring we, we offer is it's not just structured learning. It's not just once a month turn up and spend the probably a couple of hours workshopping together. It's access to us as partners and the three of us basically all the time. So people are ringing us for deal workshopping. They're ringing us about things that you're like you're talking about, Marissa. How do I get accreditation? We're connecting them to people. We're putting them in touch with the right uh, lenders and telling them where they should put deals, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, it's pretty, uh, I guess you'd describe it as hands-on. That's a great level of support. Yeah. So it's just more like a partnership than, than just coaching. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, what you won't get from what we do is we're not going to go through chapter and verse what a shadow mortgage is or operating lease. What we're going to do is we're going to put our participants in the program, put them in the frame with a client, show them how to get a really deep relationship, show them how to sit with an SME, a business owner, and extract the story past, present, and future, and then be able to articulate that, put it in writing, submit it to a a, uh, a lender and get the deal done. And, you know, along the journey, there's things like mandate letters and, you know, all sorts of things that are, are all pretty important part of the process. Stuart, do you find that, you know, most of the people that come to your program and that want to invest in this training are business owners themselves or are business owners sending their other brokers into your training program? What do you find is the most popular pathway? Great question, Marissa. It's typically the former. So, uh, sorry, mortgage brokers and brokers generally are coming to us. But I guess that's a function of the fact that we're fairly well known, as in speaking at all the industry events, and you know have a bit of profile. We deal though separately and independently with a lot of business owners. You know, where business owners want to be skilled in the sort of things that we take them through, like yeah, making a balance sheet real for them, showing them how a balance sheet and a profit and loss talk to each other and why cash flow it shouldn't be ignored and it's critically important to financial performance. So we do, we do cover both, but most of our business is brokers coming directly to us. And then we have what we call an alumni program where people um, choose to stay with us after we've finished the six months because they just love the access to, to, to experience and the three of us have a hell of a lot of experience. That That's quite an important point that Marissa was asking previously and if, if you were to look at, let's say, the last 10, 20, 30 people you've had, how many of them would be brokers that have been resi brokers for quite a while and now want to bring commercial in versus being just new, wanting to do commercial because the diversification at the start seems a lot easier maybe than the diversification at the end, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah it makes a lot of sense, Ruan, and most, if not all, of ours are reasonably experienced. So I don't think we'd have anyone with less than probably two, maybe even three years experience in the mortgage broking space. Okay. And to be fair, everyone, just to round off the answer, we, we don't just take anyone. So there, there's mm. what we do is we set up an interview with people and if they're basically brand new to industry, our advice is really get your skill level up in the consumer space, get all your you know your mm. accreditations done and all that sort of thing and then come back to us in a couple of years because we don't, we don't want to set anyone up to fail. Yeah. You know, you need to have a basic understanding and a client base. So it is that reverse engineering of saying at the end of the day, get this flag before you look for that flag because this one will just give you the balance. It will give you the base. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like Otherwise that. they're going to be taking on too much. Yeah. 
so far in the podcast, we've focused on how to obtain the technical skills and ability to actually be a good, competent commercial and SME loan writer. But I guess there's another side to this as well in terms of, okay, once you've got the skills, once you've got the accreditations, how do you actually find the clients? Is that something that you can give us some uh, tips how to get started with that in terms of where to source the clients and how to how to build that client base? Yeah, 100% front and centre module, what we describe as module one, the first two months, a huge focus on that over the six-month program. So, you know, at least a third, a third of what we do is um, of the time we spend is on that. And, and the way we, you know, in broad terms, work with people is how do I create awareness? How do I build my database? Mm. What approach should I adopt? What works? What doesn't work? Where? What should I be? How should I be presenting myself in social media? So it's about building trust with clients and creating that awareness so that your clients see you as the person that they want to do business with. And as I always say to brokers, the thing about their clients is that they are dealing with the broker because they love them, because they're time poor, because they're independent, they find the best deals. What the broker needs to do is continue to create that impression, but right across the, the broader scope of SME lending as well. Now, they can't do that until we sort of help them around what approach they need to adopt to fill that hole so that they can therefore confidently continue putting that message out to the market. So, Steve, with that being said, has there been brokers that have come to you over the time and said, listen, love what you do, I'm keen on something like this, or Steve, what's your thoughts? I've got a commercial broker out there that I can refer to for spot and refer you know, these are the two options. Stu, mm. what, what, what do you think? So have well, you had those I, conversations? I, absolutely, regularly. And okay. I'm a big advocate of spot and refer in certain circumstances. So to your point earlier, Ruan, you know, if you're flat out, but you lack experience in the SME space, but not desire, so you want mm. to do it, um, look, rather than just charge into it, a really good strategy is initially spot and refer, particularly the, the sort of, I'll call it low-hanging fruit, but, you know, the easier deals, the motor vehicle finance and insurance and stuff like that. And the only caveat I put on it is pick a partner that's prepared to help you or to work with you to educate you as you go and don't lock yourself in so that when the day comes where you feel like you've built your experience that you can walk away and do it for yourself. But I really like it because it's on the job learning and mm. it's, you know, the way we describe it to people in out that come through with us, I say to them, look, just make sure when you refer that the, the terms of reference are you want to be um, the person that manages the relationship in full. So they are paddling like crazy behind the scenes, as in whoever they refer to, to get the deals done, get the right lender, the right structure, mm. the right price, but then send it back to you to take to the client so that you can be the face to the client and the client, for all intents and purposes, will just see you as their their resident expert. Oh, not resident, pardon so, expression. So, mate, do you want us to go back to the Ark Ages with Freddie Flintstone? Head is quiet <laughs> and the feet is just going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, Stuart, we're nearly out of time okay. um, and you've provided a lot of great info, but love for you to leave us with your top three tips for um, brokers or, or businesses to 
attract more commercial and SME clients to their business outside of what they have in their existing database? What would your top three tips to them be? Um, Thanks, Marissa, and thank you for putting me on the spot like that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome, Stuart. (laughs) My number one, two and three, but I'll call it number one tip, is pull the trigger. Mm. You know, I see too many people at conferences when I speak about diversification and I see the eyes looking back at me and the heads nodding in, in violent agreement, but rarely do people actually go and do anything about it. So the first thing is pull the trigger. Secondly is be prepared to have a plan. Do your research. Where can I get the skills that will help me to do it? And the third thing is explore your database and, and even to the point of categorize it, figure out which clients you've got, who are tradies, who are sophisticated, you know, 20 million plus revenue businesses and where is the, the sort of starting point for you to get on the journey. And I suppose if I could throw in a fourth tip, I would absolutely recommend get a mentor because mm. it is definitely a different beast to get into SME lending. You, you can't, it's not a production line, it's not a factory, there's no policy manual. You can't just figure it out by yourself. Talk to people that know what mm. they're doing. Love that, mate. And um, on that note, uh, after Marissa put you on the spotlight, <laughs> I will, yeah, I'll let the curtain down. I just do thank you so much for joining us. I think, Marissa, and I've been looking forward to this because as residential brokers, we, we've seen it all and hearing from an expert like yourself, I mean, that's always just going to be value to everyone, that uh, any one of our listeners. And so just want to say thank you um, to all our listeners. If there is uh, any points that you want to bring across, email to us, uh, info at successandbroker.com.au. If you do love what we've shared today, you know anyone in commercial or resi that is thinking of pulling the trigger, please do tag them into this conversation because I think Stu's message is clear and precise and very balanced. Everyone, can I just add, if you don't mind, I know you're wrapping up, but um, it's just a thought that popped into mind now. I, I recently put a presentation together. I ran it at the advisor conferences around the country mm. um, called The Big Picture and it is about the journey to a fully diversified business and it uses a case study that started as a single mortgage broker and is now six brokers and what their revenue is. Um, Ruan, if people want to email you, yeah. I, I can send you the um, the deck if people want to have a look through it. You know, they're Brilliant. most welcome. Awesome. Brilliant, mate. It's all those things, mate. The exposure, the, those things is just fantastic. But on that note, need to wrap up. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time, talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the LVR podcast. We hope you gained massive value from today's episode. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Success and Broker and The Broker Journal, driving broker routines and behaviors for better client outcomes. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'd appreciate if you gave us a five-star review. That way, it'll help others who would value this content too. We'll join you in the next episode.